Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. This is your host, Patrick D. McCoy, and welcome to this edition of the Maestro Series on Across the Arts. We are honored today to have one of our nation's leading conductors with us, Maestro Christopher Bell, currently Artistic Director of the Grammy Award-winning Washington Chorus. Born in Belfast, Maestro Bell has received his education at Edinburgh University and has held his first post as associate conductor of the BBC Scottish Symphony Orchestra. Since then, he has worked as conductor with many of the major orchestras in the UK and Ireland, including the Royal Philharmonic, the London Philharmonic, the Royal Scottish National, BBC Scottish Symphony, just to name a few. He was principal guest conductor of the State Orchestra of Victoria in Melbourne, Australia from 1998 to 2000 and chorus master of the Royal Scottish National Orchestra between 1989 and 2002. Now, I could go on and on and on about Maestro Bell's accomplishments, but let's hear from him. Welcome, Maestro Christopher Bell. Good afternoon, Christopher. Good afternoon, Christopher. Hello. Are we listening? Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Finally. I'm so sorry for the delay. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Maestro Series. This is a special interview because we're here to talk about um, a couple of things. And first off, we're here to talk about the upcoming performance of Mozart's Requiem by the Washington Chorus. Talk to me a little bit about that performance schedule for November the 16th. We are very much looking forward to being at the Kennedy Center on November the 16th. Uh, We'll be performing Mozart Requiem with full orchestra, and in the first half, we'll be doing um, uh, three pieces, um, one of which has a very particular association with the Washington Chorus. 2006, uh, one of the previous music directors um, commissioned uh, composer Joel Puckett to write a piece called This Morning, spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, This Morning. Um, That was premiered in, uh, um, actually, November the 19th, 2006, and it was actually commissioned to go alongside the Mozart Requiem. So it's got a very similar orchestration and uh, features as a rather fancy ending a consort of crystal wine glasses being played by 28 players. So we're having a we're having a lot of fun uh, with this with this concert coming up. That's amazing. I want to share a quote from the Washington Cor- uh, Washington Post rather about the Puckett work which you mentioned which was um premiered and commissioned in 2006. This quote is from Tim Page. He said, the program included a world premiere commissioned by the Washington Chorus. This morning, a three-movement setting of verse of Emily Dickinson and Thomas Bailey Aldrich by the young gifted composer Joe Puckett is dedicated to the memory of those who were killed in 9-11, the 9-11 attack on the Pentagon. And the the person goes on to say, I find it difficult to contemplate that day without also thinking of the World Trade Center and the United Flight 93, 
But that's all right for any true elegy ultimately becomes universal. And that was Tim Page and his assessment of the performance and, and the, the piece uh, during that time for the Washington Post. And speaking to that, how do you think the, a kind of piece like this written for such a tragic time um, such as that time, how can it be applicable to our, our times now? Oh, I think I think lots of the texts are um, are absolutely universal. Uh, I mean, the, um, a, the 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 text of the Emily Dixon, of course, wrote um, wrote the piece, um, wrote her poet poetry rather, without particular reference um, towards uh, th- those events. So um, they're really talking about um, people who are lost. Um, they're taken from us this morning. Uh, they're, 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 they've been lost in, 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 in battle. And so um, a, th- th- this is a and, and, and death. So um, the, the texts are universal, um, and it's always something we can we can really contemplate. Um, I certainly feel that's the case. Wow, very well said. Now, going back to the Mozart record, when we were talking about, you know, the fact that you presented this concert on November the 16th, and you mentioned the the orchestra and the chorus, could you talk about, you know, I'm sure there may be some aspiring conductors out here, music directors, could you talk about the process that goes into assembling such a cast of, of uh, musical resources for such a major performance as the Mozart Requiem? Well, of course, uh, we um, we at the Washington Chorus we are a fully functioning um, symphonic chorus that meets um, uh, once a week during the year. Um, many of the people in the chorus uh, have had uh, some singing lessons in the past. Some of them even studied singing um, as a, as a major at university, and they've decided to be other things. They're um, uh, working at, at other careers, but they're still continuing to enjoy uh, singing um, as a as a as a volunteer in a chorus of. Caliber. Uh, the Washington Chorus frequently performs alongside the National Symphony Orchestra in the Kennedy Center. And then we also uh, mount our own productions. Um, and uh, in this case, um, we will be hiring the, the Kennedy Center. We have an orchestral fixer, an orchestral contractor rather, fixer is the UK word, an orchestral contractor. And um, uh, he will organize uh, the players for us. Um, uh, we will be rehearsing um, a three-hour rehearsal before the day of the concert and then on the day itself we'll go to the Kennedy Center and we'll be rehearsing there as well. Um, many of the players will be coming from the National Symphony because um, it happens that the National Symphony is not performing on, on Saturday. Um, we've chosen the soloists and alongside that we'll be able to um, uh, uh, we'll be able to rehearse these these pieces together and, um, and, and perform them in the Kennedy Center next next Saturday. Thank you so much for sharing that, Maestro. Well, the reason I, I even brought that up, because, you know, a lot of times when you're the person sitting out in the audience, you know, you have no idea what goes into putting on a production of, of that level of caliber, particularly when you have soloists and orchestra and all kinds of things. So I think that's in, definitely um, important to know. So the Mozart record is definitely one of the, the standard uh, pieces of repertoire in the choral canon. Could you maybe talk about how, how did you have, what was your first, experience with the Mozart Requiem as a conductor or either as a singer? Um, I don't recall ever singing a performance of the Mozart Requiem, actually. <laughs> um, 
my uh, I was I was a singer. I was a cathedral choir boy, and um, I sang for many years as a treble, and then as an, an a countertenor, and then I became um, a, a baritone, uh, really singing second tenor. Um, and we did perform Brahms Requiem, and we did perform Messiah, and some of these kind of well-known large choral pieces. But actually, I don't recall ever performing uh, Mozart Requiem. My first um, uh, uh, meeting with the piece was actually preparing it um, with a chorus for for somebody else to conduct. Um, And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes I wonder what it's like um, when I was younger. I used to wonder what it would be like to keep coming back to pieces of music. And you would think, do you ever do you ever tire of them? And some pieces I certainly do, but I have to tell you, I never tire of the Brahms Requiem, and I certainly never tire of the Mozart Requiem. It's a total, totally amazing piece, um, wonderful masterpiece, um, shrouded in some mystery, of course, because uh, it was the last piece that Mozart was allegedly working on when he passed away. He didn't actually... um, finish it. It was completed um, by uh, one of his students, Susmeyer, and um, many other people have tried to complete it since then, but the performance on um, November the 16th will be the traditional Susmeyer completion that most people know and love. So, when you mentioned, you mentioned that you had prepared the Mozart Requiem for someone else to conduct, would you consider this uh, you're conducting this with the Wash, of course, your first major outing of you conducting it, sort of like your debut with it? Uh, it's been a few years since I've conducted the performance, but I have conducted three or four before. Um, uh, oh. So, no, I couldn't, I couldn't really say. Um, <laughs> but, it's, you know, it's, it's, always, it's always wonderful to come back to it. And, of course, when you, when you come back to a piece, um, you come back with a... Um, you come back to it with, a, with a, hopefully a lot more wisdom and a lot more maturity. And so when you're, um, when you're looking at it, you recognize things in it that you didn't know when you were 28 and you didn't really know when you were 32. So it is mm. wonderful to return to these pieces, to study them again and to get a, to get a feeling for them and, and kind of fall in love with them again. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's one of those pieces that you don't get tired of because, um, of course, the Washington Chorus has performed many of the major masterworks, and the Mozart Requiem is certainly one of them, uh, having performed it, as we mentioned, in 2006, then coming back to the work in 2010, and now here we are uh, nine years later with this performance. So it's certainly something that is um, worthy and, and just something that people get you know, look forward to listening to. So I'm definitely um, excited about this upcoming performance. Now, going back uh, to the rest of the program, you're also doing some music by uh, Reinberger. Could you talk about the the motet that you all are doing, but the Abend lead? Oh, this is such a. I'm I'm kind of sorry. It's such a short piece. Um, a Abend lead. It's a little. It's a little reflection on. Uh, you know, evening, Abend, um, and the evening, of course, is is also not just um, the sun going down and the dusk and the night time. It's, of course, a reflection on um, on life and uh, evening being, uh, you know, the, the the euphemism for the for the end of our lives. Um, it's a very beautiful piece, very. Um, uh, beautiful, be- beautiful harmonies. Very, very simple, actually. Um, and we, we will start the piece with that, uh, the concert with that, um, and then without um, 
without uh, much of a pause, um, we'll go straight into a piece by Jennifer Higdon called Somewhere I Have Never Travelled Gladly Beyond. Now, it's a very interesting piece because the text by E.E. E. Cummings, um, mm-hmm. and E.E. E. Cummings is kind of a slightly maddening fella because um, uh, the... Um, uh, the, the words aren't necessarily punctuated. Um, sorry, they're not punctuated at all. There are no capital letters. Um, and so there's very, very little punctuation. And so the sentences sometimes run into each other in a way that, uh, that means that the text is almost sometimes impenetrable. And so um, we, need to, we need to look very, very carefully at the words to see if we can bring them out. But it's extremely pretty, and it's for piano and um, vibraphone. Um, I've never performed it before, and I'm looking forward to doing that on Saturday the 16th. Um, it's a rather fine piece, so very much looking forward to that. Wow, and that's a remarkable contrast to the other repertoire on the program. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Now, we talked a lot about your role with the Washington Chorus being the artist and director. I want to talk a little bit more personally about you. You mentioned, well, musically speaking, you had mentioned the fact that you had had your uh, beginning as a choir boy, as a treble, and like a countertenor, and then baritone. When did you know that you wanted to make music your life, your career? Uh, very interesting. So I started uh, playing the piano when I was six, um, and I have to be, to my shame, I have to say I didn't really um, spend uh, as much time practicing as I should. Um, it always <laughs> seemed it always seemed a little bit of a chore to me. And um, uh, when when I was uh, uh, ten, uh, my father organised that my brother and I would both. Um, audition for the local cathedral. Uh, the choir master would come round to our house. He would listen to us, and he would decide whether we were um, up to singing in the cathedral choir. Um, and so, um, my brother and I—I I remember ran to the piano that day and see to see who could sing the highest note. We would go up up the up the up the piano. I can sing this one. No, I can sing this one. I can sing this one. We had to sing a really high note. Um, and then when the um, when the choir master came, I thought he was I thought he was a thousand years old. Um, he seemed very very old. Um, and it uh, t- turns out that when you're ten, somebody who's 28 seems terribly old. And so um, oh my that's, the, that's the age he was. Um, and um, we were in the cathedral choir, um, and then my voice changed. And I had actually decided that I probably didn't want to do music um, and uh, started getting all the right subjects to be an architect because I'm very fond of architecture. And um, mm. it was only when I got to 16 and 17 um, that I kind of realized that a, a life outside music was something I didn't want to do. And um, ultimately, I made the choice to go to university and study music, um, went to Edinburgh University, uh, and never really looked back. Um, I started a portfolio career. Um, I used to be an oboist, and so I was playing and teaching oboe. Um, I had uh, since learnt the church organ, so I became a church organist um, and directing a church choir, um, and then uh, did some teaching at universities. But uh, along the way, um, somebody asked me whether I would take a large choir and uh, train them, um, and I thought, I'm not sure I want to do this, but when I actually went along to do it, I was completely hooked. I just loved it. And because of that, um, I began to develop that, and uh, the oboe playing went away, the organ playing went away, the teaching at university went away, and now it's uh, just conducting. 
Wow, you have had such diverse experiences, and I can only imagine playing the oboe because what I what I've heard the oboe is kind of a di- difficult instrument to play in terms of armature and and control yes. and my goodness, yep. it really is. Now I want to talk a little bit further um, about your presence in Washington. You have certainly been such a giant in a short time a giant credit to the musical fabric here in washington talk to me a little bit about um your perception of the the washington music scene as opposed to other places that you've conducted particularly like chicago or or other venues that you have been in well chicago is of course really extremely unique because um a lot of the um singing that's done in chicago is done by professional choirs so there are uh, actually two large professional symphonic choruses um in chicago and I, I look after one of those it's a summer a summer chorus attached to the grant park music festival um mm-hmm. but washington is quite unique i think because um it actually has a a, a reputation um for being almost the choral capital um certainly of the united states and maybe of maybe of the northern hemisphere because um uh, there are lots and lots and lots of choirs based uh, in Washington. Some people say the number is in the hundreds. Um, and certainly there are uh, uh, four that I can think of, uh, large symphonic groups that are in the same marketplace. They're kind of putting on the same sorts of pieces. Um, that presents a challenge, of course, because um, there's really only one audience. Um, uh, listeners to this will remember Norman Shribner, who used to be in charge of the choral arts in Washington. Oh, yes. And Nor- Norman um, used to say that you only had to put on a performance of Messiah, Brahms Requiem, Mozart Requiem, Carmina Burana, um, and you were guaranteed a full house. Well, I'm not sure necessarily these days that that applies because everybody is, is doing those pieces. There are lots and lots of choirs performing them now. And so it may well be that those um, golden pieces don't fill the Kennedy Center in the way that they used to. Um, hard, hard to say, but, but Washington certainly has a marvelous reputation for choral singing, um, and uh, many people who come to uh, Washington uh, here for four years because of a particular regime or here because they're working for the State Department or something else, um, are looking around for ways to meet people. And, of course, singing is a wonderful social activity. And so they audition for some of these very well-known choruses. Um, and we, we see a, a great turnover. There are, of course, regular members who've been there for many years, and they're kind of the stalwarts of the group. And then alongside that, you get the people who join for shorter periods of time because, because of work commitments. So it's quite a large turnover in a group like the Washington Chorus, more than there might be in a volunteer chorus in another city. I want to go back to uh, just the, the the fact that I mentioned Chicago. You know, just for the listeners, I had the opportunity to have breakfast with, with Maestro Bell in Chicago when I was there for the National Association of Negro Musicians um, Centennial Convention. And um, during that time, of course, uh, Maestro Bell was there um, in his capacity with the Grant Park Music Festival. And one thing I liked about that conversation is the fact that he was in the midst of uh, – Conducted this this program. If I'm not mistaken, Christopher, wasn't it the music of Fanny Mendelssohn? 
Uh, we were doing a program entirely of uh, female composers, um, and so we did have some Mendelssohn and we did have some Schumann, but it was Fanny Mendelssohn and Clara Schumann, um, and not their slightly, um, probably better better known uh, male uh, connections. So um, mm-hmm. uh, that was a that was a very interesting program, wonderful. We did some. Um, uh, we we did a, a, a couple of commissions as well there, and uh, um, as well as well as music uh, by Caroline Shaw and Thea Musgrave. Uh, it was great to do an, a, a program of entirely female music. And in fact, uh, later on this year, we will be performing um, another program called uh, "The Future Is Female." We're going to be collaborating with the Heritage Signature Chorale, and uh, we're going to be performing an entire program uh, of female composers at uh, 10th and G. So that will be something uh, to, to hunt out. That's so wonderful, and perhaps that will be a way that, even though it's not at the Kennedy Center, but at this other venue, you may attract a different audience because you're exploring these kind of unsung heroes of music and unsung repertoire. So that's that's certainly um Commendable. Now, just on a uh, on a sad note, we're we're definitely disappointed uh, that you, you're leaving us the Washington. Could you maybe talk to the listeners uh, in your own words about the uh, the decision for you to leave uh, Washington? Because I think it's it's very noble in a lot of ways. Could you maybe share with the listeners? Uh, well, um, a, I, I obviously recognize that having been here for three years, that's actually quite a short tenure um, at the head of the Washington course, and I'm, I'm sad about that. Um, but personal circumstances have, have taken over. My one of, the, one of the things that I asked the Cosmos for when I left Scotland, where my, my home has been for many years, when I left Scotland, I asked the Cosmos to look after my parents and nothing nothing terrible to happen to them. And uh, sadly, the minute I put my foot down on the soil in Washington, my father got ill, and four months later he passed away. Um, this leaves my, my mother, who's 83. Uh, she's living on her own in a house in the country, um, just about 25 minutes south of Belfast. And um, it became very clear to me that uh, she needs a little bit more help from her family, and it's a very hard um, for me to be help to her um, from from so far away. And so I, I made the reluctant decision that I, I had to focus, perhaps having been a having been a pretty much a workaholic for 35 years. You know, I've worked 24/7, 365, and. Um, many people have recognized, friends friends and colleagues have recognized that I'm a bit of a workaholic and that uh, I've enjoyed that and it's, it's brought me many great benefits. You know, I've worked in Australia, I've worked in lots of different places in the United Kingdom and in, in Ireland um, and I've also had a wonderful time in Chicago and, and Washington. But just something in my head says, you know, it's time to do the right thing and to focus on family. Um, for however long that, that 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 will be, my mother won't be around forever, and um, uh, I'd like to be able to be around for her, um, and that's 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 really my decision. So I, I am I'm sorry about it, um, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to to being the son maybe that I haven't necessarily been in the last few years, and so I'm getting a chance to redress that balance. Well, thank you so much for sharing, and, and we certainly send our love and just our, our total admiration and respect for the fact that you have made this this type of decision. And as you know, I definitely empathize with um, such a decision, the fact that, you know, uh, 
me losing my mother, you know, those those moments are, are certainly um, precious. And you have your mother here alive, still well, and you can still uh, contribute and and just you know just spend time with her. So that that's a beautiful Christmas. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now. Thank you. Yes, indeed, uh, certainly. Now, something that people may not know about you, well, maybe they may or may not know, but the fact you, you direct the Washington Chorus, which which is pretty much uh, an adult choir, but you're known for your gift of working with young voices. Could you maybe share with the listeners about your work with the young people? Well, um, uh, for a variety of reasons, um, I find myself in a situation um, in the early 90s um, working with uh, y- younger voices. Um, and the potential of the younger voices uh, struck me. And uh, we realized in Scotland that we had um, youth ensembles for orchestra and brass band and for theater and dancing, but there wasn't a youth ensemble for choir. And so in 1996, um, after having got a working party together and then formed a board, um, we formed a group called the National Youth Choir of Scotland, NICOS for short. Um, And uh, we are in 2021 going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary. Um, It started out as um, a kind of adult youth, if you like, between the ages of 16 and 24. Um, collegiate kind of level um, and uh, that top group um, has had a, really a, a, a wonderful history um, touring the world we've been to Germany and Central Europe I've been to the United States twice um, 2018 in October we uh, debuted at the Car- Carnegie Hall being conducted by uh, Sir John Elliot Gardner and um, oh, uh, they've, they've had a very fancy very very fancy um, kind of career but un- underneath that I formed a national boys choir and a national girls choir we've also got a variety of uh, regional choirs dotted around across across Scotland and they they work between the ages of 8 and 18 and we do um, uh, youth work uh, we do uh, sort of kindergarten work and um, uh, young babies as well we actually work with babies and toddlers and so we have a, a kind of a 0 to 25 age range um, many young people singing weekly with that group as well as uh, kind of a residential uh, for the for the older ones um, and it's uh, it's been a, a wonderful blessing to be able to work with that group uh, one of the highlights of my life and um, I've been re- really ve- very blessed to get the support to be able to to form that group and then to work with it for nearly 25 years Wow, that's certainly an accomplishment. And just to continue this theme about uh, speaking about uh, working with the young people, I saw not too long ago that you had the opportunity to work with some young music students from Morgan State University. Would you mind maybe sharing about that experience? Now, that was such fun. Um, we, at the at that stage, I was uh, working for the Edinburgh International Festival. Um, I was chorus director there for 12 seasons. And... Um, a, uh, um, but in the year after I left there, um, they still wanted to put on a performance of West Side Story and they needed a, a chorus director. And the conductor for that was once again going to be Sir John Elliot Gardner. Now that's not repertoire that he's known for, but he was determined that he wanted to conduct a performance of West Side Story and the festival was happy to let him do it. And he wanted um, for the Sharks and the Jets um, he started out wanting um, two quite strongly racially um, d- 
diverse groups. He wanted the groups to be quite quite different. Um, and then he changed his mind and decided that whilst he wanted um, uh, uh, two, two groups of um, racially different people, um, he actually wanted them all mixed up. And so I was tasked to find 16 African-Americans and Hispanic singers from uh, the United States. Um, and I found them from uh, the um, a, from Manhattan, Manhattan School of Music, from Chicago, and then also from Morgan State in Baltimore. I was able to go to Baltimore, I was able to meet the singing department, was able to audition um, uh, many young singers from that university, which is largely African-American. And, um, and so we made up our 16. Uh, those people came to Edinburgh for 10 days um, and did uh, two concert performances. Well, they were actually semi-staged performances of West Side Story. And um, what a wonderful time they had. Um, and I'm hoping that some of those young people from Morgan State will audition again for me to take part in my uh, project inclusion uh, that's part of a, 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 a project that's attached to the Grant Park Music Festival. Um, we have uh, four singers of underrepresented um, ethnicities uh, singing as part of uh, the Grant Park Music Festival, and they're there on a fully funded scholarship. They get money in their hands. They get to take part in all our activities. I'm hoping those young people from Morgan State will be able to audition again. Um, I'll be hearing them in the new year. But it was a wonderful project, West Side Story at the Edinburgh International Festival. I'm going to, I'm going to use a hackneyed phrase, life-changing. Many of those young people found that production absolutely life-changing. Wow. Again, thank you so much, uh, Maestro Bell, for this interview. And as we end, I just want to encourage you all to join the Washington Chorus on Saturday, November the 16th at 8 o'clock p.m. in the Kennedy, Kennedy Center Concert Hall for the performance of the Mozart Requiem and additional works. Again, Maestro Bell, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Thank you.